good morning. I was, I was vibing with them strong. I had to go up and I was like, just keep doing this. We might have to do a freestyle session. I don't know. You guys are not, you guys are not ready for that. You guys are not ready for that. Don't tempt me, Tyler Thompson. Don't you, don't you tempt me. Don't tease me, bro. Man, you guys, you guys don't remember this because most of you weren't around at the time, but man, when we first had church services at 7 p.m. on Sunday nights at Wallace Chapel down in Brentwood, we used to freestyle and do poetry and just go in. People could walk, they might walk into the sanctuary and not even recognize that we were a church. I mean, we were saying Jesus, but you would think it was a club because it was so dark in there and, and, and we were just going strong in the Holy Spirit. So we won't, we won't uh, flip you out by going there this morning, but find about two or three people and just, you know, give them a little nuck, nucks. Is that what they call that? What is that? Well, yeah, my, my son and I call it pound it. Just, just, just pound a few, pound it like that. Just a few people and just say, he is alive. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so happy that Jesus Christ has resurrected from the grave, that he is alive, that he has conquered sin and death, and that he's in the room this morning. How about you guys? I'm glad that Easter is not over. Easter is not over. Now find two or three different people. Give them a high five. Say, Easter is not over. That's good. Easter is not over. Nobody gave you a high five. I'm going to give you a high five. Easter is not over. Yes. Easter is not over. And everyone said... Amen. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to open it, please. We're going to go to John chapter 20. We're going to read from John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. Just give you a short moment to grab your Bible and open it up. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We have the words up here on the screen. And we're going to read the word here this morning. So... John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. I'll read the words off the screen. You can follow along with me if you'd like. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, everybody say Sunday. Sunday. That's why we come to church on Sunday. Is because Jesus got up out of the grave on Sunday. And when we come together, to come to church, we are worshiping and proclaiming that Jesus has risen. That's what we're here to do this morning. Amen? Amen. On the first day, Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Everybody say fear. fear. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, Peace be with you. Everybody say, Peace. Peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How many of you guys glad that you have seen the Lord? Yeah, yeah. Amen. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Hey. <laughs> and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are alive. We are so grateful that we have been given the privilege of seeing you. Thank you for coming to get us in our fear. Thank you for showing up. We ask you to anoint the word today, anoint our hearts, anoint our minds to receive all that you have for us because we intend on leaving this place transformed. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So I want you to notice a few things about this passage of scripture that we've read today. Notice that it's still Sunday, so it's still Easter. Everybody say, it's still Easter. Easter is not just a day. Easter is a lifestyle of proclaiming and declaring that Jesus is risen. Can I get two good amens? So it's Easter. It's Sunday. It's the afternoon. You know, I, I think it's probably sunset. You know, that's, I'm just going to use my imagination. Is that okay? It's getting dark outside. Well, the disciples, and when we say the disciples, we have to clarify, it's really 10 because Thomas is nowhere to be found. We don't know where Thomas is at. He's, maybe he's off doing something else with himself, discouraged, disappointed, in anguish, depressed, grieving. He's upset, so he's gone. And then we know Judas, he's hung himself. So we have 10 disciples left, and they have huddled together in a room somewhere in fear. They are afraid. They're scared because they know that the Jews, the people that had just crucified their friend Jesus three days earlier, are out, and they are looking for blood. They are looking to come against Christians. They are looking to persecute those who walk with Jesus. Now, they may have heard some of the stories already about this angelic being that's rolled away this stone. And, you know, they don't know what to think because their prison guards have fallen to the ground and are shaking and trembling in fear. Now, the disciples, they're in fear themselves. They're in this room. And, you know, I almost think that it would look a little bit like a funeral scene. And I'm sure many of you in here, if not all of you, have spent some time at funerals. And I know that for me, when I go to a funeral and I'm grieving the loss of a loved one, I do my best to remember the good times. Don't you guys do that? Well, the disciples, you know, they were in fear, but they were courageous enough to get together. But they locked up the doors, and I'm just guessing here, but I would think that they're there together and they're doing their best to encourage themselves in their grieving and remembering the good times 
that they had with Jesus. You know, trying to make each other laugh a little bit, maybe trying to encourage each other. You know how it's like when you're at a funeral. And I almost see, you know, maybe Simon Andrew looking over the table at Peter and saying, hey, Peter, do you remember that one time you tried to walk on water? And Peter like, yeah, I remember that. And, uh, you know, Maybe, maybe, maybe Andrew just pokes at him a little bit. He said, yeah, you remember you thought you could walk on that water. That was so funny. And then there was Jesus, man. There was our friend Jesus, man. Jesus, man, he came and he saved you. And then Peter's like, man, he's so good at that. He was always saving us. Man, he's such a good say. He's a good guy, that Jesus, you know. He was, he was so faithful to help us. Man, wasn't Jesus good? And then Simon, you know, or Andrew, and oh yeah, he was good. He was, man, it's amazing. So they're trying to encourage each other. But the whole time they're afraid because they know that if the Jews find out where they are, then their lives are not gonna last. So they're sitting there scared. They're trying to swap some stories perhaps, and they are grieving in anguish, not just over the loss of their friend, but over the fact that all of the people in the room that afternoon had betrayed and left their friend for dead. Imagine that they're all being tormented in their minds about how they've all turned their back on Jesus. And so they've just simply accepted fear as their portion. They're thinking to themselves, you know, I've sinned. I've betrayed Jesus. I've left him for dead. I've walked away from the Lord. And so I'm afraid, but I deserve it. Anybody else in here ever beat yourself up before for turning your back on Jesus when it would seem as though he needed you most and you needed him most and you just walked away and you left him in your sin and you're beating yourself up over it, grieving, sad, afraid, mad, thinking we walked away. Can you imagine with me for a minute the last time that they heard the voice of Jesus as he invited them to pray with him just for a few hours? Hey, keep watch with, with me for a little bit. See, this is the last time they heard the voice of their friend Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane three nights earlier. They heard Jesus inviting them into prayer. They heard Jesus talking to his kidnappers, loving them mercifully forgiving them in the moment right away. They heard the voice of Jesus, but now Jesus was taken. He was kidnapped. He was crucified. They all turned their back. The only disciple that was even there at the cross was John. He was the only person to attend his friend's funeral. But these 10, you know, they've all deserted. They're all hiding. They're all afraid. They're all scared. And they're thinking back, man, remember how sweet it was to hear the voice of the Lord. Remember how amazing it was when he would walk with us and he would talk with us. Even when he would correct us, man, remember how awesome that was. Try to remember the good times. But man, we deserve this fear. We've sinned, we've betrayed. We deserve to be afraid. We deserve to be scared. We deserve to be in the situation that we're in. I wish maybe the Jews would just find us now and end our lives of misery. Maybe we should consider the same fate as our friend Judas who's hung himself because after all, we're no better than him. We turned our backs. We left him for dead. Can you believe that we're in this situation? They're sitting there. They're talking to each other. And perhaps the room grows quiet as they just simply begin to grieve all together. They start to cry 
tears start to stream from their face. They start to consider what they've done. They, they, they start to consider their sin. They start to give in to their fear. And they can't talk anymore. They're just sitting there afraid. They're silent. Maybe somebody will hear us. Be quiet. Be quiet. Afraid. Scared. Running. Shamed. In anguish. Regret. In fear. And then all of the sudden, the story tells us that Jesus, the voice of of Jesus is heard in this quiet room. It's not a shout and it's not a whisper. It's just a clear and a direct word. Jesus simply says, peace be with you. Now, can you imagine the wave of emotions that the disciples must have felt in the moment that they heard his voice again? Imagine everything that had happened in the last three days. They have watched their friend be kidnapped. They have watched their Lord be crucified. They have watched their king be put in a grave. They have watched the women grieve. They have watched one another betray. They have left Jesus, their friend, for dead. They are wallowing in their shame and they are being gripped by their fear. And in the very moment that they think all is lost, the voice of Jesus comes through. It's not a shout. It's not a whisper. It's a simple and direct peace be with you. Jesus steps into their fear and he says, peace be with you. See, they had the doors locked. They had it barricaded. They were so afraid for their own lives that they had locked up the doors and thrown away the key so that nobody could get in. And yet Jesus comes through in that moment of fear, in that moment of shame, in that moment of depression and guilt. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. See, fear is our portion until we've seen the resurrected Jesus. But when we see the resurrected Jesus, everything changes. One time, one glance, one simple command to receive peace is all that we need for everything in our lives to be absolutely different. In one moment, we can be, we can be afraid for our lives and just a moment later, with just one word, with just one glance of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, we can be comforted, we can be encouraged, we can be strengthened, and we can be transformed. We can go from being fearful to being fearless. Because we cannot ever forget that the same disciples that were fearful became the fearless apostles that Jesus planted his church with that stood up on Pentecost Sunday. These were the same disciples that ran away from the Jews on Good Friday. They ran away on Good Friday, but those same disciples became the apostles because they got one glimpse of Jesus Christ and they ran to the Jews on Pentecost Sunday and they stood in holy boldness and they proclaimed the risen Savior to the same people that had crucified him just a few weeks earlier. And they said, this 
is the good news. Jesus is alive. Easter is not over. And the same fearful disciples, they became fearless apostles. And in one day, 3,000 people got saved and got baptized and got adopted into family, all because of one glimpse, because they saw Jesus. Just tell two or three people, you got to see Jesus. You got to see Jesus. Come on, you guys work with me this morning. Say, you got to see Jesus. One sight, one glimpse, one glance, one word changes everything, transforms people who would reject who would run, who would sin, who would say, I'm inadequate. I don't have anything to offer God. Those same disciples who had walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years, they ate with them. They talked with them. He gave them instructions. He shared with them prophecies and promises. And yet when the heat got turned up enough, even the most passionate ran away. So what made the difference? How did these disciples go from that place in the Gospels to this place in the epistles? How did those same people get enough of God for God to move through them so that they could plant a church in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth in their lifetime long before there was a Southwest Airlines? There was, you know, there was no quick travel. And these 10, these 10, Thomas came back. You can read about that in the next couple of verses. They voted somebody else in to join in on the 12. These 12 men, why? Because they saw Jesus. They were able to travel all over the world. They were able to preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. They carried so much authority in the spirit. They had so much power that long before social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, they were so well known because of the spirit of love that they walked in that when they showed up in a city, they said, those who have flipped the world upside down have also come here. What made the difference? They saw Jesus. And not just the Jesus of the gospels, not just, you know, that wonderful prophet from Galilee. They saw him and that was great, but they needed to see more. We can't just see the Jesus of the Gospels and we say, man, that's good enough. We have to see the resurrected Jesus. We have to see the Jesus who is Lord and God who turned death into a parenthesis and put the, he, he took the grave and he said, it's just a blip on the radar. This is just a small thing. Let me deliver you from your fear of the end of life. Let me show you what I am capable of doing. And that's why the disciples who were afraid to die could stand up in the face of death and preach the gospel with bold power. They saw the resurrected Jesus. And that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference for us. Seeing the resurrected Jesus. Jesus walks in. He says, peace be with you. Now, we don't really say that very often today, do we? we I mean, sometimes, you know, we, we, we chuck the deuce. I don't know if you guys, if you guys say that, but what's up, what's up? You know, you know we, we say, oh, peace in the Middle East. You know what I'm saying? 
peace, love, and chicken grease, or whatever kids say these days. That's what they said when I was in middle school, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Peace, love, and chicken grease. I don't know. It's in Kentucky, bro. Kentucky. We don't have a lot of good sayings up there. We just got the internet last year. So... Right? Hey, it's a good year. But we say peace, you know, it's, it's a thing that we might say when we get off the phone with a friend. Hey, peace, right? You guys have heard that, right? Peace. Well, in Jesus's day, it was a lot like that because it was a very common greeting. Peace was actually something you would say as you pass by somebody in the marketplace. You'd say, hey, peace be with you. You'd say, oh, hey, peace be with you. You know, it's the equivalent of, hey, how you doing? You know, now you... Do you really mean that? You, thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Tyler's coming through today. He gets the, he's the real MVP. But you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you see somebody, you know, in the mall, and you're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And, and, and even if they're not doing good, they'll be like, yeah, I'm good. Right, you know? So it's a common greeting. It's a common salutation. It doesn't have a lot of weight to it. It's just, hey, peace be with you. You know, so when the disciples are sitting there in silence, grieving, and Jesus supernaturally walks into the room and gives this common greeting in a low tone, peace be with you. This is the first time they've heard his voice in three days. This rapture of emotion takes place in the room, so much so that they can't even respond. They can't even talk. The Bible says that they don't even say a word to each other. They're just looking at Jesus as he steps into their company. The Bible doesn't say they say anything. Before they can talk to him or each other, he is showing them his wounds. He's saying, look, you see that? Look, you see this? Look, you see in my side? Hey, and then he says it again. Peace be with you. And there's a reason for that. It was a common greeting, but he wanted to make sure that they didn't receive it as a common greeting because he wasn't trying to wish them well. He was trying to give them the gift of peace, which he could do. Why? Because he himself is peace. One of his titles is the Prince of Peace, which is why wherever it is that he stands, there can be no fear. There can be no fear that anything is going to die or go wrong or capture me or put me in the grave because I have the prince of peace that is in the room. So when Jesus steps in and he says, peace, oh, wait, no, you thought that I was just saying, hey, how you doing? No, no, I'm actually giving you not just a promise. I'm giving you a gift. I am giving you myself. I am giving you my peace here. Take my peace. The same people that were locked in the room, that were afraid of death, all of a sudden get an impartation from the resurrected Jesus that changes everything, which is his peace. That was the first thing he said, and he said it twice. Why? Because he wanted to reiterate it? Yes. But he said it first because he wanted you to know that when you encounter Jesus Christ, the first thing that you get is peace. The first thing, it's not the fifth thing, it's not the tenth thing, it's, it's not on down the line. Once you mature in the spirit, you'll finally get rest for your souls. You'll finally get peace one day. One day you'll have peace of mind. One day you'll be able to relax. One day you'll be able to get over your anxiety. One day you'll be able to get over your fear. No, no, when Jesus steps into your life, the resurrected Jesus Christ, he comes to bring you first 
I'm going to try this out. So he comes to bring you first peace. peace. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to do anything for it. You didn't have to pray it up. You didn't have to fast it up. When Jesus Christ steps into your life, he brings rest for your souls. And he says, peace be unto you. So if you're anxious today, if you're depressed today, if you are in fear today, all you need is one glimpse. All you need to do is see the resurrected Jesus just one time. Peace. Peace be unto you. He said, hey, look, this is your portion. This is what I give you first. Peace. And when he walked into the room and, and they were looking at his wounds and they checked out his side and they, they looked at his hands, it, the Bible actually says that they were glad. They were glad. So if Jesus walked in the room with peace in his right hand, he stepped into their company with joy in his left. And he said, I got peace for you. But then here comes the other hand, like, you know, face palm, boom. He's like, joy. I have peace and joy. And it says that they were glad. They got excited. They saw his wounds and they were glad. Perhaps they remembered back just a few weeks prior. I have another scripture I want to share with you guys super quick from John chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus said these things concerning his crucifixion. He was prophetically teaching his disciples. He said, look, I'm going to die, but I want to encourage you with this fact that once I resurrect, that your joy may be full. And see, it's not just your joy in the sense that you, you know, you have to somehow work it up. It's the joy of Jesus Christ that he freely gives you as a result of what he finished on the cross. So when he steps into the room, he releases not just peace, but he also releases joy. You know what another word for joy is, a synonym of joy? Triumph. I like that. What about you guys? Triumph. I have joy. When you're joyful, you're strong. Get this. Listen. Joy expels fear. Fear cannot stand joy. Fear can't even hang out in the same room as joy. Not possible. Which is why the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord, you guys finish it. So why is it that the enemy works so hard to steal your joy? Because he knows that if he has your joy, then he has your That's why Jesus said, oh, you guys are afraid? You guys are fearful? Yeah, I'm gonna bring you some peace, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go some more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna double down on this. I'm going to give you some joy in place of your fear. Yeah, I know you're crying right now in the face of death, but you're going to be laughing in the face of death before I get finished with you. You can laugh your way into revival. I know a lot of people who speak in tongues. Not everybody speaks in tongues. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, but everybody can if you want to. You know, and a lot of people do it, you know, they do it on command. You know, they just, they just go for it. You know, they start speaking in tongues. 
And I challenge, I challenge some of you guys who do that, you know, I pray in tongues, is that if you can pray in the Spirit on command, then I think that you can be baptized in the joy on command because it's the exact same spirit. And so I don't need a perfect environment. I don't need a certain circumstance to be baptized in the joy of the Lord. I just simply decide that I'm going to receive joy. And in the same way that I pray in the spirit, I can be baptized in the spirit and get happy. Are you guys happy or what? You know, if you're happy, notify your face. All right. It's a good reason to be happy because Jesus is alive. Comes in to give peace and he comes in to give joy. See, Jesus had a plan. He said, listen, I got a plan for when I show up and when I talk to you and you need to get peace first and you need to get joy next because what I've got for you next, oh, it may get a little tense. It may get a little hard at first, but that's why I'm giving you the peace and the joy because the next thing that Jesus says is he says, as my father has sent me, so I am sending you. See, you have to see before you can be sent. That was better than some of you are saying amen. If you're going to be sent, you have to first see. Because it's in the seeing that we get what we need to be commissioned so that we can be sent. Because if we don't have peace and joy from the resurrected Jesus, we're not going to make much of an impact when we step out to go and to be sent. Because how many of you guys know that a terrible evangelist is one that is mean, angry, shaming, distressed, depressed? How you doing? Not good. I'm working with the Lord, brother. Well, I think you need to go back to that seeing part. <laughs> you need to get a glimpse of what Jesus is really like so that you can represent him appropriately. You know, represent means to represent. So if we don't have peace and we don't have joy, then who are we representing? Because the resurrected Jesus has peace to give you and joy to give you. And the reason why he gives you those two things first is because those are the first two things that he wants the world to see on your life. He says, I'm giving you peace and I'm giving you joy because when I send you, this is, what, this is how I want everybody to know that you're my disciples, is that you're not coming in the same spirit of those who crucified me just a few days ago. Not that old religious spirit. Wow. Not that old political spirit. I'm talking about a spirit of peace. I'm talking about a spirit of joy. When they try to arrest you, they try to throw you in jail. They try to boil you in oil. I need you to walk in a different spirit. I need you to walk in a spirit that says, regardless of what happens in my life, peace 
is my portion. It doesn't matter who says what, who does what, who tries to stop me. I know I have a word from God. I have been sent on mission from the Lord and I get joy because of who my daddy is. She knows who her daddy is. That's my daughter right there saying amen. So he said, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And I should have included this verse. I should have did it. I don't know why I didn't. I knew it was going to be a tough one, so I didn't include it. All right, but if you read the next verse, verse 23, Jesus says something awkward. I'm be honest with you, it's awkward. He said, if you don't forgive the sins of people, they're not going to be forgiven. But if you forgive their sins, they'll be forgiven. And then he disappears. Now, I mean... You're like, Lord, could we get a PowerPoint? Could we get a, could we get a handout? You know, could we, you got some papyrus, you know, in your glistening robe. Do you got like a 10 point? Can you break that down, please? But that's how Jesus commissions, you know what I mean? That's how Jesus commissions them. He's like, he's like, hey, um, I'm going to tell you these things. And, and I'm, I'm going to breathe on you here in a minute. And, and, and that, that's weird within itself. But he's, and then he gives this command. You're like, what in the world does that even mean? I mean, theologians have debated over what that means for thousands of years. I did my own research and I prayed, but here's what I think it means. Here's why I think Jesus said that to the disciples. Because when he sent them, he commissioned them to be as he was in the world. Yeah which was to declare the forgiveness of sins by the blood of the Son of God. So he has given us permission. He's given us peace and he's given us joy. He's given us his spirit and he has sent us to proclaim what the Father sent him to proclaim, which was the forgiveness of sins through the blood of the Messiah. And I think that's what the commissioning was all about. He said, hey, look, here's the power that you have. Here's the authority that you have. When you go, walk the world as the pardon of God. It's not your job to convict people of their sin. You walk in peace and you walk in joy. And you let them know who has the authority to forgive sin. Jesus, by his blood, you have been forgiven. Oh, you haven't received him yet? You don't know about him yet? Oh, your sins are not forgiven yet. But let me give you a message in peace and in joy. Let me give you this message. Let me tell you about the one who gave me a spirit and sent me to you that your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus was trying to say, in my opinion. And he was sending them out. And I know it's tense. Sometimes it's tough. It's not always easy to be sent. It's not always light to feel the responsibility of people's souls that you interact with, knowing that a word from you that you've received from him could make all the difference in their life. 
I mean, think about the severity of that responsibility that we have been given as people who were once enslaved by our fear, but have now seen the resurrected Jesus, have been transformed in a moment, and now can do something about it. Jesus said, I know. I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard. You guys have heard my prophetic words. You know my promises. I know it's going to be a little bit difficult, but that's why I need you to huddle up. Come in. Hey, get, get over, Peter, get over here. You know, Peter, maybe he's still struggling with the shame. I mean, he's feeling the peace. He's like, man, I'm relieved. I, I'm glad I got some joy, but all right, Jesus, what do you, what do you got? What are you going to say, you know? Come on in. Come, come on in. Come on in. Get, it, get, in, get in close. Get in close because, because you need something if you're going to be sent. The peace, that, that's, that's, that's a great start. The joy, that's going to change a lot of situations. But you need something else if you're going to be sent. If you're going to be sent, you need my Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil of the holies of holies where the spirit of God lived was ripped in half and the spirit was released and that's what Jesus comes back to impart to his friends and that veil was torn from the top to the bottom which is how you know that no man did it because if a man did it he would tear it from the bottom but God did it to prophesy that his friends are to receive his spirit. And when Jesus comes back, he says, guys, get close. Come in. Remember when that veil was ripped in half? Remember that spirit that sat in the holies of holies that only the priests were allowed to visit? Well, it's visiting you now. Whew. And he breathed on him. I mean, you're thinking, that's strange. That's weird. Wow. Why would Jesus, I hate when people breathe on me when they pray for me. So weird. You know? But see, all, see these Hebrews, these observant Jews that were the disciples of Jesus Christ, see, there was something that they knew about. They had heard this story ever since they could listen. And that was the story about the creation of man. That when Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, their God, created the first man, our first dad, out of dust. He shaped and he formed Adam. And when he lifted him up from that dust, he breathed the very life of God into that man. And he began to live. And so when Jesus said, get close, he was just shaping himself some dust. Y'all come in close. I'm about to form you and fashion you in my image. And that life that you lived as a result of the fall, that life of sin, that life of fear. So this is a new life. You're about to be born again. In the same way that your first dad, Adam, lived as a result of me breathing life into him, I am now going to breathe into man again. I'm going to breathe my spirit into you today. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the fullness of real life. Receive the fullness of real peace. Receive the fullness of real joy. Receive the salvation of your souls. 
receive. So I want to invite you to stand because I want us to receive today. We're receiving life today. We're receiving peace. We're receiving joy. We're receiving power today. Receiving. So in the same way that Jesus, you know, he drew his disciples close. I mean, that's me reading into the text a little bit. I, I kind of see it. That's how I see it happening. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that's exactly what happened, but that's the way that I see it happening. You know, today as we're standing up, let's just kind of crowd around Jesus. And if it helps, just bow your head, just close your eyes. We're, we're pressing in right now to Jesus. We're getting a little close to Jesus. And Jesus, we say that we want the life that only you can give. We want new life, only the life that the resurrected Jesus rose up to give us. And if you're in here today and you want to receive new life for the very first time, you do not know Jesus as your savior. You do not know Jesus as your friend. And today is the day of salvation for you. I just want you to be bold and I want you to lift your hand right now because we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you right away and welcome you into new life with Jesus. Awesome. I don't see any hands, but just close your eyes, bow your heads, please, because we're all going to receive new life at the same time. God, you got a bunch of disciples here that are crowding around you desiring new life and salvation. And so we just say, Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. If you don't mind, just say, I receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. See, this was not just him talking. This was him giving a command. And when he commands us to receive the Holy Spirit, when he says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, which is how the King James puts it, he puts faith in us that as he reaches out, that we will reach back and that we will receive the gift of new life that he resurrected from death to give us. So we receive right now, don't we church? We receive. We say, Jesus, thank you so much for what you accomplished on the cross. Thank you so much for your resurrection. Thank you so much for new life. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the sending. I know I don't have the power to accomplish your good works on my own, but I have the Holy Spirit and I have been sent in righteousness, peace, and joy. I receive your joy. I receive your peace. If you, if you walked in this place today with anxiety, if you walked into this place today with fear, I want you to take heart. You have seen Jesus and he gives you peace. You have seen Jesus and he gives you joy. You have seen Jesus and he gives you new life. So we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Yeah, let's just lift up a big round of applause to Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, God. Yes. Let's give Lyle a round of applause this morning as well. Thank you. 
Thank you for that word. This week, I encourage you all to choose peace and joy and walk the world as the pardon of God. We as believers have an amazing opportunity to give God glory through our lives. And this week, we choose to be a family that walks the world as the pardon of God with peace and joy in our hands. Amen. Awesome. Well, ministry team, I'm going to invite you forward this morning. If you need prayer for anything, if you are sick in your body and you just need some breakthrough, we have a ministry team who's going to be available to pray with you this morning. If you need somebody to partner with you um, just for breakthrough in your life or for what you have heard God doing in your life, we have a ministry team available for that with you this morning. Otherwise, we love you. We'll see you next Sunday here at Legacy at 9 and 11 a.m. Bring a friend, bring a family member, and also we'll see you at We Are Nashville this Saturday, 9.30 a.m. here. We love you. You're dismissed.